Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Consider it all joy. That word consider literally means, James is saying that we actually need to think like one that rules and reigns. That's what consider means. It means the thinking of one that governs a territory. So when you go into a trial, God wants you to change the way you think in the trial. Trials come to advance you, not to diminish you. They come to promote you. Now, that's not the devil's design. He thinks the trials come to deplete you. He wants to invite you into his kingdom of depression and sadness and lack. But God turns around everything, everything the enemy meant for evil. God causes everything to work together for your good. God loves you and God sees to it that in every trial, there's a way of escape and that escape is into victory and blessing and fruitfulness. God is a genius. He knows how to turn the darkest thing where there's no hope, where it seems like everything's conspired to take you down. God is a genius. He proved that at the cross. That was the greatest trial, the greatest hopeless case. And, God, and it says that if the rulers of this age had have known God's genius plan, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. And that's the same for you. If the devil knew what was going to happen in your trial, he never would have brought it. But see, he's stupid. He only is a one-trick pony. He only knows one way is to, is to invite trials into your life. But God is able to turn it around. No matter what you've been through in 2015, James is saying, in the midst of the trial, I want you to start thinking superior thoughts. Amen. Are you hearing me today? The, the, the challenge is, what we've said the last few weeks is, the sort of questions I'm going to ask in a trial will determine what the trial does in my world. So say with me, every trial is designed to advance me. Is that possible? In the trial, I'm going to become a greater thinker of the ways of God. I'm going to be refreshed by the very thing that the devil designed to wear me out. He's tried to wear me out this year. He's brought trials from the left and the right, and he's done that to you as well. He's brought things that, that caught you off guard, and they were designed to take you out and wear you out. But guess what? You're here today worshipping God, filled with more joy, more gladness. The thing that was designed to destroy you has actually been the making of you. And it's amazing that God can take something so bad and use it to change the way you think. So that's why we consider it all joy. Because these trials, although we don't ask for them, when they come, you know that God is so incredibly clever that he's going to do something in the midst of that that's going to make you such a greater person. So he says, consider it all joy. My brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is going to produce consistency, you're going to consistently have great thoughts. How's that? That's what the trials designed to make you consistently think victorious. I'm thinking greater thoughts today than ever before. And let endurance have its perfect work. So you'd be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. See, 
God's design for you is that in the trial, you would lack no good thing, that there would be provision in the trial. It says in verse 5, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously. So James is saying the key in the trial is to ask the right questions. Not, why me? Not, what are you doing? Not, like I have, God, I think you've gone too far now. You could never do anything good now. You've actually overstepped the mark. Nothing good could possibly come. You are sadistic. You, you, are, you are a bad father, and I don't know what you're doing, and I don't like you today. That's not the sort of response that James is asking us to have in a trial. But the truth is, many of us in trials begin to ask questions out of unbelief, out of discouragement and disappointment. And James is saying, if you ask those questions, nothing good's going to come out of a trial. He says, let him ask in wis- for wisdom. And God will give you generously. If you say, God, I don't know what to ask in this trial. Show me what to ask. Ask questions like, God, what are you doing? Who do you want to be to me in this trial? What is it that I'm not seeing in this trial that you want to show me? Ask questions that empower you, that draw out the greatness of God in you, that cause you to see from God's perspective. God can outweigh you. If you sit in the corner and suck your thumb and get angry, God's got all the time in the world. Remember I talked to you about the woman under the tree with her son. What was her name again? Her name's just escaped. Hagar. She was crying and God's got all the time in the world. He doesn't respond to, to, to tears, to anger. He responds to faith. Get back to the boy where the promise is. See, the moment we go, step back into faith, God said, all right, now I'm ready to speak to you. Now, now, see, two can't walk together unless they're in agreement. And God is a God of faith. In him there's light and there's no darkness. So when we're responding to God out of pain and misery and darkness, there's no communication there. Because God only speaks to you like a victorious son and daughter. So the moment you come out of that cloud and say, okay, God, I get it. You, you won't communicate to me in this state. All right, I'll step over here. Now, show me what's happening. All of a sudden, heaven seems to open. Some of you have been asking the wrong questions in this season. The questions that are not designed to bring out the victorious one inside you. The questions of pity. The questions of doubt and unbelief. And God is saying, I want to upgrade the way you question me. Am I more free today than I was yesterday? Am I still in a warfare mindset? Am I still struggling and striving and anxious? Or is my thinking bringing me into greater degrees of peace and gentleness and kindness and freedom? So we ask, Lord, show me what are the hidden opportunities in this trial. Because listen to me, listen carefully. In every trial, look carefully, don't miss this. In every trial... There are hidden opportunities. There are hidden secrets and revelation with your name on it that are waiting to be discovered. Did you hear that? See, I don't know if you're all convinced today, but in everything that seems to conspire against you, in that moment there is something hidden that is designed for your welfare and success and promotion. 
And the sad thing is that some people go right through life without discovering what was hidden right there for them. You, you meet them. You meet them. They're, they're the Eeyores. They're the, the sad sacks. They're the, the grumble bums. They're the, they're the worries me people. But the sad thing is they will get to heaven if they're believers and they will discover that God had this amazing path, but they've refused to ask the right questions. James 1 verse 12 goes on to say, that was a good message, wasn't it? Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he's been approved, he will then receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So James is saying, if you will go through trials with asking the right questions and having the right mindset, God will so set it that you will gain a crown of life. What does that mean? You are going to then have a mindset that will cause you to be victorious in all of life. Where things, circumstances will bow down before you because you have a mode of thinking. Look at me carefully now. Don't lose track. If you gain this crown of thinking through trials and tribulations... By default, you will walk into new circumstances and they will bow the knee because you wear a crown. Are you hearing me? Whenever you wear a crown, everything around you must bow the knee. But for, see, the problem is that when you don't wear a crown of thinking, instead of you're the one bowing the knee, and the Bible says that we're not to bow the knee to any graven image, any situation, you are more than a conqueror. And James is saying, God wants to so set you up with a new form of thinking that you constantly wear this crown. Imagine that, wherever you go, every circumstance, every new job, every new trial, the moment you walk into the room, it bows to you. That's what happens to kings. Have you seen the queen when she walks into a room? How they all curtsy or bow or whatever it is that they do? Immediately when she walks in, because they are in the presence of royalty and authority. And that's what God's doing in your life. If you will go through these trials, asking the right questions, looking for the hidden secrets, you are going to gain a crown that's going to affect all of your life. Isn't that amazing? James 1.13 says, So let no one say, that's you today and me, when they're attempted in the trial, I am tempted by God, for God can't be tempted by evil. God doesn't live or operate in the realm of trials and tribulation. Did you understand that? This is not God's design. Nor does he tempt anyone. I've often blamed God for my mess, for my trials. I blame people. James is saying here, when you go through trials and stuff is going wrong in your life, you've got to bore down to what the problem really is. It's not God's fault, and it's not people's fault. It's about the stuff inside you. See, stress and anxiety is an inside job. It's not an outside job. No one makes you angry or sad or all that. At the end of the day, they're trigger points. They've baited you, but the problem is, your inner world is out of order and God is using this trial to reveal to you what's on the inside that's flawed so you can rise up with a crown on your head. This trial is designed for your greatness. Yeah. 
It's going to pull out all the faulty thinking, expose it, reveal it, and then it's going to replace it with new level thinking. God is in the process of rewiring the way you see life. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when they are drawn away. That word drawn away is to be lured as in hunting or fishing. You know, when there's a, a fish and it's hiding in a river and you can throw out some burley or whatever it is that you use, or lure, you're luring them out of a safe place where they're exposed and ready to be caught. James says that when you're tempted, it's like a man or woman that's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin and then to death. This trial is luring out what's always been inside of you. It's a bait. When the bills don't get paid, when there's challenges, when people are angry at you, when life takes a sudden turn and there's anxiety, it's a bait. The circumstances of the trial is a bait to bring out of you what has always been there. It's not God's fault. It's not people's fault. They're not the problem. It's me, Lord. And you're about to change the way I think. Your reaction is because you've been baited. Do you hear me? I've been baited. I've spent many a day anxious, uptight, concerned, angry, confused. And James is saying it's, it, you've just been baited. This trial has drawn out what's in you, and God is going to use that. See, the devil draws out what's inside you because he wants to, to revel in that and get you caught in a pity party because he doesn't know that God's going to provide a way of escape. He, he thinks you're going to get caught in a cycle of thinking. But God draws it out not to leave you there. He draws it out to heal it and upgrade your thinking. Are you hearing me? You think you've got your life together? You think you've got no problems with this or that, and all of a sudden a trial comes and something comes out that you never knew was there. God's about to upgrade the way you think. Verse 16, Do not be deceived, my, brother, my brethren. Every good and perfect gift come, is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. So James is saying, when you face a trial, begin with the right premise. And the premise is this, God is with me in the trial. He is not the author of it. He will be something to me in this trial that is going to unlock a new dimension or a new identity in me. Listen carefully. In the trial, God is going to be someone or something to me that is going to unlock part of my identity. So I said last week, that God will, maybe today, he wants to be a father to you in your trial. You're feeling abandoned, you're feeling unprotected, and God comes as you say, okay, God, what is it you want to be to me in this trial? Why am I feeling this way? And God says, I want to be a father to you. And the reason I want to be a father to you is because I want you to discover what it's like to be a son that's loved. I'm going to unlock identity in you. And in every trial, in every problem in every circumstance this is the amazing thing is that God is revealing more and more of himself to me this trial is going to cause me to think bigger wiser more amazing thoughts and the last thing we start a trial knowing that God has an assigned outcome in the trial 
Something great is going to happen. If you begin the trial like that, when all hell breaks loose, if you begin the trial knowing that in this trial there is an assigned outcome by God, he is going to be something to me in this trial that will unlock my identity, it positions you to maximize the trial. I don't want to waste any trial. They're too painful. And if I'm going to go through a trial, I want it to upgrade my thinking. The sad thing is that many Christians go through trials and, and, and instead of their thinking being upgraded, they become more cynical, more judgmental, more unforgiving, more bitter. I don't want that. I want an upgrade. I want the crown of life. I want to be able to walk into situations and they bow to me because I've gained something out of the trials that I've been through in my world. Verse 19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and every woman be slow to speak and slow to get angry because the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside or cast off all filthiness. Anything that really means that defiles you or dishonors your identity. It says, lay it aside. And every overflow of wickedness, and that's a feeling or acting like you are worthless. Any thought that is harmful, James is saying, cast it aside. You're going through a trial, you're saying, okay, when you're going through a trial, cast aside. It's a time to cast aside, to cast aside all the stuff that's that's been exposed in your world. And he says, and then when you've cast aside, receive with meekness, the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. There are two seasons that every Christian lives in. There's a season where we're being ministered to by God and we're expanding, life is great, it's fruitful, we're having encounters, we're feeling great emotionally, everything's wonderful, there's growth and increase. And the other season is where we live under a rock where we come to God and their emotions are, as it seems, pushed down and we begin to receive revelation that will change the way that we think. Do you remember I told you the story last week about the lobster? Do you remember that? How a lobster, for those that weren't here, it's um, this squishy little animal inside and it grows and as it grows, it grows into its shell and its shell is hardened and it will not move. It, will not, it, won't, it won't flex with the growth of the lobster. And so what the lobster does is when it hits its ceiling, when it's, it cannot grow anymore, it goes and finds a rock and it gets under the rock where it's protected, where the enemy can't get it, and it breaks open the shell and dispenses of it. And then it grows a new shell that's bigger, that has more room to grow in, then it comes out and it, it begins to swim in the ocean. It's like us. We go through those two seasons. Seasons of growth and fruitfulness and blessing and emotions and the goodness of God. Is anyone in that season right now? Is anyone there? That's good. It's a good season. And the other season is we then, that's all good and we need that. We need the buzz and the the bazazz of God and the fruitfulness and the laughter and the joy and just enjoying the heart of God. But then the lobster, it comes to a ceiling and God will allow that for a time. But then he says, okay, now 
I want to upgrade the way you think. I'm going to give you an upgrade. You've come to the ceiling. And we began, begin to feel uncomfortable. The emotions are no longer there that they used to be there. The fruitfulness begins to dry up. And, and, we, and the lobster recognizes it's, it's time to get under the rock, to break open, to cast aside that thinking. But when you're under the rock, for those that are there, I really want to just share for the next few minutes about what James is saying about casting off and putting on. It's a time where God is upgrading the way that you think, the way that you see life. And as we cast off, there's a couple of things that God is saying to us. Like in John 15, are there thought patterns in your world that you need to cut off that do not belong in you at all? And the second question is, are there thought patterns that are in your life that are good that he can now upgrade? And when you go under the rock, that's the two things that God is looking at. What thought patterns belong in your world, sorry, that are in your world that do not belong, and what thought patterns do you have right now, although they are good, are ready now for an upgrade. So I felt the Lord say to me, Andrew, you're under a rock, and you are making space for fresh growth because your thinking has become too small for the next stage of your destiny. And when your thinking becomes begins to inhibit what God wants to do in your world, he will invite you under a rock where he will upgrade the way that you think. Let me read you some scriptures. You ready? Psalm 27 verse 5 says, In the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion or in his cover. In the secret place of his home, he will hide me. He has set me high on a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above all of my enemies. You see, when we're invited into the rock experience, it's so that it says here, my head will be lifted up above all my enemies. God is upgrading the way that you think because the new season that you're about to go into, your thinking will not overcome the enemy's plans. God knows your destiny and there is an enemy waiting at the next realm of your destiny. So God stops you in your tracks, invites you under a rock and says, I'm going to upgrade the way you think because I want you to go into that next season of destiny as more than an overcomer. The enemy is not going to take you out. It's not even going to be a fair fight. If you allow me to upgrade your thinking, you will come into this next season and you will blitz it, my friend. Are you hearing me? That's what the purpose is of being under a rock. It's about putting off this level of thinking and allowing God to build a room that is so much bigger, that allows room for expansion, because where you are going, you need an upgrade in the way you see things. Do you hear me? See, God's designed you like a lobster, perpetual growth and increase. It doesn't matter if you're... 20, 40, 80, you're a lobster and you're built to grow. And God is going to constantly upgrade the way that you think. Psalm 81 verse 16 says, I would feed you with the finest of wheat, which is a picture of provision. And with honey from the rock, I will satisfy you. The picture of honey is a picture of revelation. Honey is always a picture of prophetic revelation. And, and, and so... 
what the psalmist is saying here is that when we go into that rock experience, it's a way of thinking that will unlock greater provision in our life and greater inheritance. He says, I would give you the finest of wheat and I will allow rock, sorry, honey to come out of that rock. So in the rock experience, honey's coming. Honey is prophetic insight and revelation that leads you to the finest of wheat. And some of us today, we've got a level of thinking and understanding about provision and inheritance that is way too small. And God's inviting you calling you now to a fresh season season of living under the rock. I am staggered by the number of believers, leaders, uh, people in the congregation that have such a poor view of provision and inheritance. How do I know? Go out to dinner with them. See how quick they put their hand in their pocket to pay. I've met great, great, mighty men and women that have such poor understanding of provision and it's under the rock when when pressure comes on finances that God is saying you know what this is not to take you out this is not to diminish you this is not to crush you I'm I'm putting you in this fire so you'll crack open that shell of limitations about money once and for all you'll kill that sucker and you'll come out with an expanded view I'm going to show you the God of all provision in the midst of the fire and you'll come out with a crown on your head and it'll be a way of seeing that no matter where I go no matter who I give to, I will always come out on top. I am blessed, 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 blessed. He says, I wanted to feed you with the finest of wheat. I'm ready to pour out honey from the rock. I I tell you, it's great to have those seasons of blessing and fruitfulness and the the love of God, but there's, there's a precious thing about coming under that rock in the midst of the trial and saying, God, now all that my emotions, it seems like have, you know, there's not a whole lot going on there, but I've come to this place where you're beginning to speak to me and I'm treasuring this time. You're upgrading the way I think. I'm causing you to see the world so different. It's an amazing time. Again, in Psalm 144, verse 1, I alluded to this before. It says, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Again, in this rock experience, it's an upgraded way of living in victory against more powerful enemies. I want to say it again and again. It's in this season when you feel like the pressure's on you, God's inviting you. That pressure is a sign I want to upgrade the way you think. If you're feeling under the pump today, give God all the glory. Count it all joy because the pressure is a sign that you're about to get an upgrade in the way that you think. And under the rock, I'm getting an upgrade about the enemy. I'm seeing that no matter what he does, that I have the living Christ within me and he cannot take me down. I'm ready now to fight a bigger giant. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. My rock and my redeemer. It's an upgrade on the way we think about restoration and justice. My rock... And my Redeemer calls me, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart 
What, what have I said and thought when I've been ripped off? When the enemy's conspired to be so unkind? When I've done the right thing and people have taken advantage of me? When people have stolen thousands of dollars from me or from you? See, it's under this rock that we get a, a new view of the Redeemer, the God of justice and restoration. It says in Isaiah 61, instead of your shame, you're going to get double honor. Double honor. How many people have ever been ripped off? Your families are being ripped off. Things are being stolen in your generational line. It's under this rock that we begin to get a revelation that God is the God of justice. And when we cry out for justice and recompense, the Bible says that the enemy says when a thief is found, he must restore sevenfold. The problem is he's got to be found. And when you get a revelation that you've been stolen from, then you can get your sevenfold return. And it's under this rock we begin to see the scope of what God wants to do in our world. Does anyone want to live under a rock? Hear my cry, O Lord. Psalm 61 verse 1. Attend unto my prayer from the end of the earth, where my heart is overwhelmed. That word overwhelmed means blackened. It's actually the word for shroud. When my heart, when my mind is overwhelmed, when I can't see the way forward, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The Bible tells us here that in this rock experience, God is going to lift up our perspective when we just see darkness and we can't see the way forward. There are seasons in my life where I feel like, God, where am I going? 2016, he says, if you will come under the rock with me, if you will just come aside and listen to me and begin to ask the right questions, I'm going to lift up your perspective. I will lead you to the rock that is higher than your darkness. Look at me carefully. If you don't know where you're going in 2016, God is inviting you to come with him under the rock and get a new perspective. In this season, I don't know about you, but... It seems like we go through weeks, months of our prayer life and I don't feel much from God at all. Have you ever had seasons where the moment you open your mouth, all of heaven appears, you get goosebumps and everything's amazing? Has anyone ever had those seasons? I hope so. But then you go through other seasons where you pray, you worship and you don't feel anything. This is the rock experience. And one of the reasons we go through this is because our emotions tend to cover our true beliefs. I see that often in revival meetings where people are laughing and falling on the floor. And everything looks great in their world. But within a week or two, some of them, their life's out of order, making crazy decisions. And their external emotions, and, and they were right. It, it wasn't that they were faking it. They really did feel God. But our emotions, when they are so strong and leading us, can tend to cover what we truly think inside. And so God purposely begins to dial down our emotional connection so he can begin to reveal what we truly think inside. He hasn't left you. He hasn't left you. He says, I'll never leave you. It feels like he's left us. But it's all on purpose. So we want to get angry and start talking a lot. And James says, be slow to speak. 
Begin to listen. Because I haven't left you. I'm, I'm doing a deep work. I'm upgrading the way that you think. Do you remember he did this with Lazarus, Martha and Mary? I love this passage. You know, when, when you see a whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to one story, especially in the New Testament, you know it's important. And Jesus does this as well. He purposefully disconnects emotionally with Martha, Mary and Lazarus. It says that he loved them and they loved him. And it's, it clearly states there's this huge bond, emotional bond. But in spite of that, Jesus just doesn't turn up. Because he's about to go into an area that's full of unbelief. It's known for its unbelief and it's known for its religious ideas. And Mary, Martha and Lazarus, although they love Jesus, when you're caught up in that environment, it tends to get inside you. So he waits and he waits and he waits. And when he gets there, what's truly gotten inside their heart starts to come out. Lord, if you had have been here. And sometimes God is purposely disconnecting, as it seems, emotionally with us. Although he's not, but it feels that way because he wants to reveal what's truly in your heart, what you truly believe about him and yourself and your circumstances. So if you feel like that today, rejoice. Because you will come to a place where your faith in him, your trust in him, will give you the same feelings of wellness as what it was when your emotions connected with him. Father, today, I thank you that in every trial, we can count it all joy. I thank you, Lord, that you are causing us to think like overcomers. And in the midst of the trial where we feel like Everything's going wrong. We can't even feel you. We know that you are drawing us to a place where we begin to ask you new questions, where you begin to upgrade the way that we think and perceive in our world. We know as we come into that rock, like the psalmist says, there's so many ways that you want to minister and speak to us. Provision, breakthrough, revelation. You're upgrading the way we think. So I pray for everyone that finds themselves right now under pressured times. Lead them to the rock. Lead them to the rock where they cast aside everything that they've known, all their preconceived ideas, and they allow you to upgrade to a higher view. Father, for some of us, the trials have exposed in our hearts things that we don't even like about ourselves, ideas, mindsets. Thank you, Lord, despite all that, you love us with an everlasting love. There's nothing about us, Lord, that would, that would cause you to draw away from us, but you're going to expose that, heal that, give us a new view, give us new revelation, new mindsets. So, Lord, we just hand to you our inner world, our belief system, our mindset. And we say tonight, Lord, today, Lord, renew it, renew it, renew it.
Renew it. Upgrade it. Renew it, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. It'll be in this season that God will highlight Scripture to you. This is a profound season under the rock. And now he's done it to me where he will highlight a verse. And that verse will become your identity. It'll be about your upgrade. It will bring revelation. He's going to highlight even this week. He'll, he'll drop a verse into your heart. And it'll be like the go-to verse in this season under the rock. And as you meditate upon it, it's going to bring life. It's going to upgrade the way you think. It's a land of flowing with milk and honey, the word and prophetic insight into the word. And in this season, I'm speaking right now, God is going to give to those in this season word. the word. It will come in seed form. It will come into your heart. Don't dismiss it because it's your ticket to an upgrade in the way that you think. It's your ticket. It's going to adjust your identity and it's going to cause you to respond to God in a whole different way and it's going to change the way you view your circumstances. So I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're in that season right now in a rock, under a rock, just lift up your hands. And I'm asking, Lord, for those that are in pressured times or being in the in the the trials and the turmoils of life. Father, I pray today that you would draw them aside and you begin to speak your perspective of life. Upgrade them. Upgrade them. Some of you have been so emotionally driven. God's about to change that. He's upgrading your belief system. And after an upgraded belief system, it's going to empower your emotions. Not diminish them, it will empower them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. He's such a great father. 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 And some of you have said in your heart, Lord, I can't take any more pressure, any more pain. And the Lord's not indifferent to that. Because he's a good father. But you will come through. You will come through. And you'll come through with a crown. And the cracking of the shell of the lobster's not painless, but it's necessary. And the pain that you are feeling, they're growing pains. And it's better that your shell be cracked to make room for more growth than it stays the same and you be, your growth is shunted for the rest of your life. And God loves you way too much to leave you in the smallness of your life. He's designed you for greatness. So, Father, 
I pray your blessing on your people today. May they count it all joy. May you totally rewire the way they see trials and hard times and challenges. May they truly think like a king, like a queen. May they count it truly all joy, I ask, Lord. And Lord, I pray as we go into this next year, may we live as more than overcomers. In the name of Jesus.